Hi folks, it's Joanna. I'm just giving you the heads up that this is going to be, this is the third to last podcast for this year. Actually, I am going to be taking a two-week break after the drop of this podcast. And the last two podcasts for this year will be um, published mid-December, around December 18th. Uh, So um, I hope you enjoy this really fun podcast I had with Valerie Dunsmore. We had a really great chat. Uh, Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. That rabbits would go um, where a bridge between us and the underworld. And it just stuck with me. And so when things stick with me like that, they tend to come out in my writing. sophisticated creatives welcome jcv art studio from the dressing room i swear one day ozzy is going to give that introduction he has listened to it so many times my name is joanna and today i have award-winning author valerie dunsmore with me valerie's debut novel rabbit 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 and i love that title first one in the fiction category of the Whistler Independent Book Awards for Best Fiction. And just recently, it won in the fiction category of the 29th Annual Writer's Digest Self-Published Book Awards. And it placed silver, so I'm on her Instagram and I'm just digging down, digging down, and I see another award. It placed silver for fantasy in the Forward Reviews Indies Book of the Year Awards. Congratulations, Valerie, and welcome. Hi, Joanna. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Good, good. So I just, I'm just, as I was doing that introduction, I was thinking about book awards. And I know I've had people ask me if I thought um, it was good entering book awards. And I know my two books are... Have be, well, the last one was, and the, the current one is a finalist in the Canadian Book Club Awards, that um, book awards competition. And I think they're very important to have, especially as an indie author. And um, I know we didn't discuss this earlier, but how do you feel there's an, it's important to have book awards, especially being an indie author? I do. I feel like that was one of the things that really pushed my book 
beyond just being, you know, on the shelf or available to readers. It was really great to get into that community of adjudicators and getting really good feedback. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think they were so important. I was really surprised how much I enjoyed the process and the feedback. Yeah. Okay. Because I know, like, uh, I've entered the Crime Writers of Canada Awards. And like I say, the Canadian Book Club Awards. And yeah, there's a an entrance fee to them. But, you know, I think it's well worth the investment. And um, every time I found I would post that, okay, this book has been a finalist in, you know, this awards, there would, it would usually generate a little bit of activity and a sale, you know, and, and that's, it's, we were talking before we started recording and it's all about trying to broaden that readership, right? So I think what better way, hey, with the book awards. Exactly. And I'm a true believer in that if I'll get one book sale from a post or connect with one reader, it's so important to me. Like I will take each reader is so important. So I think being able to connect with the readers of Writer's Digest or Forward Reviews or, you know, meeting um, all the authors and participants of the Whistler's Writers Festival, each, each piece of that um, helps you become an author. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, we, we, this is going to be a great conversation. We haven't even <laughs> touched the questions because you said Whistler Writers Festival. And I went in 2019, and it was fantastic. It was such a – I had such a good time. So have you been to it, or are you thinking of going to the next one, or have you – yeah. Um, yeah, I just went to the last one. And um, like I, I was uh, kind of saying is that there's a, just a powerhouse team of women who run this festival and it's one of the only adjudicated uh, competitions. So you are actually getting reviews, you're getting important feedback. And even I had an hour conversation with the organizers and all of that, it made it a highlight for me for sure. And I recommend anyone go to that festival and, meet the readers. They have some really great authors that present and it's just very well run. So that was definitely a highlight for me. Well, and I found I was sitting in one workshop that had to do with archetypes. And I just thought it just, as I was listening to the presenter about the different archetypes, you know, like the orphan is one. And I, I just immediately started connecting it with my own story. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Let's get to the program here. <laughs> We're going to be talking There's forever. so much to talk about. Yes, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Rabbit, Rabbit, Rabbit. I love the title. I love the book cover. I love the book design because I do book design. And just, it's so elegantly done and created. So I was wondering, being an indie author, did you have a bit of input in how you envisioned the cover because um, I love rabbits and I love squirrels and I know our authors won't see this, but we will get for the podcast art a really nice photo up from you of, of that cover. That is so cool. So did you have input into what you saw for the cover? Yeah, I published with Freezen Press 
And uh, their design team was just amazing to work with. I was so lucky. And they sent me four covers, four different covers to kind of look at. And when I saw the one with the rabbit and the smoke, and I just knew um, that that was the one I would go with. So we did tweak a few things. Um, The rabbit became more smoky. And we did a different picture in the corner of the girl blowing the smoke. And actually, a little known fact is that photo is my daughter. Really? Yeah, my father-in-law took the picture and they worked it in because we couldn't find the exact age of the girl we wanted to um, blow the smoke. So, yeah, that's my daughter on the corner there. That is so cool. (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. All right. Okay. Back to questions, Joe. I'm keep. I'm looking at the cover. Okay. <laughs> so, can you give our listeners a little summary of what Rabbit 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 is about? Well, essentially, Rabbit 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 is a story of a young girl's journey through mental health challenges and family dysfunction, and through the use of magic, nature, and intuition. Okay. So, yeah, it's a when Lily's father comes back into her life unexpectedly, he brings this chaos with them. And that darkness kind of manifests as addiction, madness, and rage. And she really has to learn um, how to balance the, the lesson of saving her loved ones and saving herself and also the cost of hatred. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Good. Good. Um, so then that makes me wonder what was the spark? What was the original idea? What was the spark that kind of took you down to creating this award-winning book? Well, the novel took eight years to write. Okay. So it was really a labor of love and it morphed throughout the years, but the original idea was always this question I had, um, which came from my childhood too, kind of digging into that is how do children with mental health um, struggles and family dysfunction surrounding them? How do they cope with these things when they don't have perhaps the support we can get nowadays um, or really any kind of, you know, medical or professional support? And I watched, I kind of dug into my childhood and I watched my children and that's where it came from. What, what tools did they turn to? And that's where the magic started coming in and the imagination and, and these beautiful things that children's you do use to cope. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So have you always been writing? Like, have you been, did you write as a child or teenager or? Yeah, I've always been writing and I still have stories from kindergarten and grade one, and, you know, the magic pencil or whatever I wrote back then. Um, so I've been writing my whole life. I took uh, journalism. I took creative writing, but In grade seven, my grade seven teacher wrote in my journal, please send me your first book. And I remember reading that and just thinking, wow, okay, she thinks this is a possibility. She thinks this could be something. So um, that always stuck with me and I still had the journal. So I actually found her. 
through the help of Instagram and Facebook and these lovely people at the Abbotsford um, Teachers Union. And we've been in contact. She sent me a beautiful letter and we've been chatting back and forth. And I did finally send her my first book. Oh, oh God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. tell you, the people who are listening to this podcast are going to be like <laughs> cheering. Yes. And that's just the impact a good teacher can have on Absolutely. you. For me, it was... I had two English teachers. One was Ms. Beddoes and one was Ms. Anaka and just, you know, encouraging. I remember being awkward, awkward, awkward teenager, not fitting in. And thank God there wasn't Facebook back then. Okay. You're like, I mean, high school or junior high was enough without all that other stuff. Right. I agree. And, uh, just when you get that encouragement from a teacher, you cherish that, right? Mm-hmm. I am, and perhaps when you're not getting it from anywhere else, it just becomes so important. And funny, her teacher's my teacher's name was Mrs. Robinson, so there's a little tribute to her in the book because that's the teacher's name in the book. But I agree, a good teacher is worth their weight in gold, and I know she's impacted so many children. Um, yeah, so and a good teacher is a special thing. God, and hearing this just makes this book, like, this is quite the story, okay? And that's with the questions I have. It just adds so much more. So I'm glad we're we're able to have this interview. It just adds so much more layers to to this really good book. Okay, so speaking of your book, nature is almost like another character, Okay, like a lot of scenes in the nature, in the woods. And it made me wonder if as a childhood you explored nature. And and like sometimes I see on your Instagram posts, you have posts about nature. So I wanted to know how nature played in your life as well. Yeah, I think nature has always been there for me, like a friend. You know, I think that's why I did want to make it a character in the novel. I wanted it to be, you know, a part of, of the storyline. And I grew up in Vancouver and I was very lucky. Um, my parents always seemed to live by trees and forests and bogs and parks. So I was, I was, I grew up in that. I grew up like exploring the woods and building forts and um, crushing berries and making, you know, potions and things like that. And I think what you said before, there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, you know, you had to go out on your bike and find your friends, you had to, you know, sometimes you spent the day from the morning until the evening, kind of just out. And I think that was a real gift for me in my childhood. You know, there was that that friend that was always there in the, the trees and the animals. And yeah, so I think it was an important part of my childhood. And I have always loved, loved nature. See, and for me, it's, um, uh, talk about a super listener. My sister, Linda, always listens. And I remember as a, as, as a child, so she was quite a bit, she's older than me. And where we lived in extension, that was the thing. You know, we'd put on our coats and we'd go for a walk. And we'd be gone for like where we were at, there were bluffs and and woods and we'd meet up with the neighbor friend, Janie, and we would just walk and sometimes sit on the bluffs 
and just chat. And yeah, that is, that's ma- that that's magical as it is in this, in this book. Yeah. 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 And I agree. And I'm not surprised that you would have that connection too, because there is that, there's that depth in it that you can kind of dig into as an author. Yeah. So I think a lot of us spent a lot of time out there in nature and in our imaginations. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So I have to ask, okay, how did you come up with the idea of rabbits talking to the underworld? Or was this something that you were told as a child? For me, I've always been interested in animal archetypes and um, archetypes of all kinds and magic and folklore and really ancestral knowledge. So I research these things and I read books and I'm always kind of listening for little tidbits like that. And I read it somewhere and it was like through deep, deep research. um, Yeah, someone just just mentioned um, that rabbits would go um, we're a bridge between us and the underworld and it just stuck with me and so when things stick with me like that they tend to come out in my writing yeah okay yeah. so then I have to give a shout out to my critique partner Carol Ann who absolutely loved rabbits Carol Ann you just heard that okay there is literature <laughs> on it <laughs> okay. yeah there's so much to learn about rabbits and the gifts they bring and um, the messages they hold and I think that's why it became such a important part of the book for me okay okay Okay, so the magic, like we, we, like again, the magic in this, this story is so believable, and we. So, and my question is, if you grew up in an environment of magic, but it seems, when we're talking about magic, we're meaning, the magic that you see in nature, like you mentioned about crushing berries. So we're not talking about, okay, flip down a hat and a, a, a rabbit appears, right? So. Mm-hmm. Would you? So I'm going to tweak this question a bit and say, given thinking about your childhood, would it be you found magic in your, obviously in the nature, but in your surroundings? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah I always lean towards daydreaming and the imaginary. Um, my father loved the stars and astronomy. And to me, that was magic that you could go out and watch these, you know, a meteor shower. Um, my mom actually went to many different churches. And so we were always kind of hanging out with her at different churches, learning their beliefs. And, you know, even uh, as growing up and having my children, intuition became magic to me. So like you said, it's not magic pulling something out of a hat or something, you know, you might see that's you know, to kind of blows your mind, it's kind of digging into all these smaller magical practices. Yeah. And actually, once I watched my children growing up, and saw that they relied on these things, um, not only did I rely on them in my childhood, but they relied on their imaginary friends. And they just, my daughter used to tell me she saw angels in the forest and tell me their names. And uh, they've just believed fairies were real. And so they taught me to hang on to that magic. And it's not really till we get to school or till we get older that people tell us, well, no, no, that doesn't exist, right? So if you can just get them to hold on to that magic. Um, and for me, it was almost a rediscovering yeah. uh, when my children were born. Yeah. Okay. So like, as I found, when you're saying that, it makes me think of two things. Um, to this day, 
it still blows my mind and it will, I will still catch my breath. I go, when I see a shooting star. Okay. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen many, but I have seen uh, maybe about six as an adult. And it's just, to me, that is magical. Just it's that, that timing that you happen to go out there clear sky and you see a shooting star and that will always my my breath will catch right um and what was the other th- the other thing i found is when i started creating art again i remember it was almost like i won't say the lights turned on but i remember walking going to work in victoria and just I started creating art again and I was looking around and to me, everything seemed so much more vibrant. And part of me, people are, I thought, I don't dare, I don't dare tell this to anyone, (laughs) but I'm now going to tell everybody. (laughs) But um, part of me just wanted to say, like everybody was walking so like, not fast, but like focused, right? Because we're, we're going to work. We have, we're picking up our errands. I'm just as guilty, right? When I've, I've got things to do, I'm, I'm walking fast. But I remember when I started creating art and I was downtown Victoria and I just thought, people stop. Do you not see the colors that we have and have here? You know, like the blues and the sky, the blue and the water, the mountains and yeah. So, okay. And I think that's exactly the point is what you said is that the magic is everywhere. Yeah. You know, that we get to live in this world and, and look at this beauty. And once you, I think, first of all, um, creating art opens a stream, right? A portal for you um, where you do start noticing um, the kind of the, the quieter things okay. that surround you. And so once that portal is open, you just start to notice all these things for my kids and I, it's feathers. We'll find feathers when we need them or dimes or yeah. Once you start noticing, I know exactly what you mean. It's just, just everywhere. See. Okay. And now I'm thinking again, I remember in 2019, 2018, 2019, 2019, the years, they're kind of all like mashed potatoes right now. Um, The first book launch, though, very first book launch, I was super nervous. And I had taken the dog out and thinking of your book and nature and the animals. I remember standing there and this bird just flew right in front of me, you know, and I was like, whoa, like stop me in my tracks. And I thought, does that mean something? You know, like I said, I was super nervous, right? Mm-hmm. And then I did. I, I Googled it. And um, not that that's a, a very magical place to find any information, right? But it works. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> but it did. It, it meant um, like positivity and good luck and, and good, like a good omen, right? And mm-hmm. that little bit I just, I took with me getting ready to go for the first book launch. Okay. Okay. So getting away from the magical element a little bit in your book you mentioned about how in 1968 so we're going totally a total opposite here we're from like i say magic to the stuff to do with like dams and flooding and that so in 19 you mentioned how in 1968 the government built the dam that flooded the village of nakasp and i wanted i wanted to know if you wanted to talk about that a little bit 
Yeah, I think when I was doing my research, um, my brother lived in the cusp for um, for a few years, and I only visited him twice there. But every time I went there, I just thought, oh my gosh, this place is magical. Like this place is has something special about it. And so as I started to research Nakasp, I realized that history of Nakasp was very much um, that they went through, you know, this kind of collective trauma, yeah. right? That um, prominent streets were lost, industrial areas were lost, important farmland were lost when BC Hydro um, dammed Arrow Lakes and for power. Um, so I just knew that that had to be a part of the novel. And um, for the Lavoys, you know, that was a big part of a, a turning point in their life, you know, when you lose your land and now they're up on this kind of unforgiving mountain with, with no trees and things like that. So because it was such an, a significant event, yeah. I had to include it. And I think that's the beauty of research and delving into places is that it gives you these gifts yeah. as you, as you go. Yeah. And it, like you said, you just know you have to include it. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, for sure. Because it made me think of um, my husband's ancestors. And it was, it may have been the 1920s. I want to dig out the research on this, but it was Carpenter Lake that was mm. flooded. And um, his great, great, his ancestors, they were, you know, trappers, worked in the sawmill. And, uh, yeah, so I, I started wondering, you know, when I started reading about that and I started talking to him about it, I said, so when did this happen with your ancestors? And that's when we figured out with his ancestors, it was much earlier. It was during the 1920s, so not the same time period, you know. Yeah, okay. So your experience, how was your experience? Like you said, it took about eight years. Don't, And you're not the only one. I've, I've interviewed a lot of authors and um, some of them have said 10 you know, 15, right? It took 20 years before my first one saw the light of day. Okay. <laughs> so um, how was, how was the experience for you writing this novel? Um, did you, do you, or do you find you plotted a lot of it? Or did you pants like write this scene here, this scene there? Um, or like, reflecting back, what stands out for you with your writing experience, writing rabbit, rabbit, rabbit? Well, it began as a full novel about Lily until she was grown up. So I had written the full novel and I gave it to a mentor. I have a very uh, special mentor who, who taught me so much about writing. And so she read it. She said, yeah, this is good. She goes, but I really just want to know more about these two girls in the first chapter. And first I cried because I was like, but I've written a whole book. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought about it and I thought, you know what? She's right. The story is here in, in the first part of the book. So I, I just started writing and I really rewrite the first chapter over and over and over to get a really strong foundation to know these characters. And then I just write freely from there, right until the end. And the chapters get shorter and shorter towards the end, I would say, because you're trying to fill in all these all these blanks and you don't always know what's going to happen. Yeah. So then I, I start to rewrite and I do towards the end plot out a grid because I need to remember who did what, where um, sometimes you're just in the flow of writing and you for actually forget which points you've brought out in the chapter. Right. Yeah. 
So, and then I'll get some inspirational photos. And so I kind of make this collage on a board and I work with that towards the end. But at the beginning, it's a lot of free flow writing. I'm not a person who plots out the novel before. Okay. I would mm-hmm. love to see your collage. <laughs> oh, I, maybe I'll post it. Yeah, you should post <laughs> it. That would be so yeah. cool to see. Yeah. I do have a picture of it. So maybe I'll do that. That's a really good idea. <laughs> well, what I found with the last one, like they say, you, you should never, sorry, that, sorry. What, That's okay. Mine was just going to okay. murder. Yeah. Just one moment. So what I have found out, it's interesting because you're mentioning about your collage. I, when I was writing book two, found a photo of a, of a lady I know. And I was looking at it and I thought, this is my character, Valentina. So mm. I kind of, they say you shouldn't write about people you know. So I kept this image of this lady and I, I contacted her and I said, look, can I illustrate this photo and also use it in my book? Because the, it was the strength. It was the, I live by my own rules. That attitude she, you know, personified in this photo. And she says, sure, go for it. You know, happy, you know, go for it. No problem. And then what ended up happening with me is like, I follow her on Instagram. And so then she would be posting photos later of her and her mom making, you know, like, um, they're called, uh, it's called Polinchinta, whether, you know, in Hungarian. So she'd be posting these photos of her and her mom making Polinchinta. And I'd be like, no, no, this is not what my character Valentina would do. And so I'd have to kind of like tunnel vision <laughs> and not look at any of these other photos because I, I thought, no. <laughs> right. But, but because I saw her. Like, I associated this photo with this one aspect, with this character. So I couldn't see the full rounded, what her full rounded character was, because it just wasn't working with the story. And it was was messing me up, right? Yeah, and it became your own, like, Valentina became her own entity, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I love when that happens. Yeah, well, like Lily and her sister, you know, like... They're how they communicate with each other, you know, like sometimes like they're little girls, sometimes they don't get along, right? (laughs) You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so exactly. What is the, I guess I would say, the ultimate message or understanding that you hope readers take away from reading Rabbit, Rabbit, Rabbit? And I love that title. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I think the beauty of a novel is that I've gotten so much feedback from readers. And I think where you are in your life or what you're thinking about or what you're interested in, that's the message you take from it. Yeah. So, you know, I've had uh, men over 50 tell me how much they love the book and tell me their perspective. I've had teenagers tell me their perspective, book clubs, and it's all a little bit different. And so I, I love hearing those messages because I think when you work on a book for eight years, there, there is some layers there, right? You know, you, you're building, you're building a structure. But for me, the question I explored a lot beside the journey with mental health and the journey of the heroine, which is much different than the hero's journey, um, was really that there is that fine line between saving your loved ones and saving yourself. You know, and Lily is really trying to find that balance of, 
you know, how much do I give to this situation and how much do I risk of myself? Um, and that everybody has a story, you know, once you dig into Henry and dig into mama, yeah. you know, you find that they're, you know, they're, they're fully rounded people, yeah. you know, they're not two dimensional. Yeah. Oh, bravo. Okay. Good. <laughs> Good. Okay. So Valerie, I love this question and people know it's my favorite. Lily, and that was the neat thing in the very opening chapters reading about the racetrack I, like, mm. and, and having it being like Vancouver, the, the lower mainland. Uh, just, I loved that. Okay. So Lily bumps into you at the racetrack. What would Lily say to you? And I love this question too. I think this is such a great question. And really like the writer in me wants to say something really profound and really, you know, creative. But I honestly, when I think about Lily and I think about her bumping into me, I think, first of all, she'd want me to get out of her way yeah. if she bumped into me. <laughs> and second of all, she'd probably want me to buy her a burger. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what she wanted then. That was her mission at the track. So, you know, I think on that first meeting, that's probably what Lily would do because at first I think it get, it's hard to get to know Lily and then once you dig in there there's there's so much magic but I think at first you'd be like hey you want to buy me a burger yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that for sure for sure okay so <laughs> what are you working on now there's got to be another book coming yeah the first draft is done of my second novel and uh again it involves two sisters they're a little bit older this time. They're about in their 30s. Um, and it's set back in about the 1950s in Red Deer, Alberta. And there was an asylum there um, during that time. And that's what they called it back then, um, yeah. was an asylum. So I, it's again about mental health. It's about the heroine's journey. But it's sculpted very differently. And it was, um, I think we were talking about archetypes before. And they factor in a lot in this novel. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's an exciting project and I'm really excited about it. So I'm just thinking, cause I know my novel involves sisters. Mm. I had Susan Jane Wright on the podcast, her novel box of secrets. She has sisters in it. I think we, there's a round table coming up in the new year. If you are interested yourself Susan Jane Wright and myself, and we could have a fun discussion about, we won't call it this, the hero, it's not the hero's journey, it's not the heroine's journey, almost like the sister's journey, like some, mm. your game in the new year sometime, like I'm thinking around March, April. I love that. I yeah. would be honored. Yeah. Awesome. That would be yeah. really cool to do. So you hear that Susan Jane Wright, who's also an avid <laughs> listener, <laughs> I'm booking you in for a round table with, the, the, with us. Okay. So. Valerie, anything you'd like to add? Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, anything you'd like to add? Uh, well, Friesen built me a wonderful website. Um, and so it's my name, ValerieDunsmore.com. And all the links to where you can buy Rabbit, Rabbit, Rabbit are on that website. And I also offer a book club package if you contact me directly through the website. Um, 
I kind of send you some tea. I send you a cookie recipe. I send you enough books for your book club. Um, And you can get the books at a discounted price. And I do an hour Zoom meeting with the book club. So it was, it's been an interesting experience to get to connect with all the readers. Okay. Uh, So my website is the best way to get in contact with me and my books. All right. All right. And people... Oh, it's heart, heart wrenching. It's a great story. It's a great story. And now that I know even that your daughter is on the cover of this, like I say, it adds so much more layers. There's so much more layers to the book. Okay. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad I, I, you know, Valerie, I put these questions together and I like, you guys don't tell me your answers, which is good because it makes it exciting and interesting for me and it's you know i had i did not know and so to find out that okay i want to ask her about the cover because i think it's a a kick-ass cover right and to find out that your daughter's on the cover that leads with the smoke that leads to the rabbit just uh damn i'm glad i asked (laughs) (laughs) okay well thank you you ask excellent questions and i just love talking to authors and i think there's something about having conversations about the process and the plots and the stories it's it's really special well and even when you mentioned about rewriting the first did you say it was the first three chapters you rewrote Mm. i mean yeah I that's comforting to hear because I know I have done that or I have taken a prologue which I thought would be a prologue and it's like no this this isn't working as the prologue this is going to be like chapter six you know and and rewriting that so it blends into that chapter and it doesn't like stick out so Mm -hmm. it's comforting to hear you know so oh it is it's kind of like you find your tribe I find with these conversations and these book festivals, like I find each time I meet someone, I'm finding a piece of my tribe and you can have these conversations about the writing process and even um, the magic in the world. And you're like, Oh, I'm not alone. Okay. Cause, cause writing's quite solitary. So it's nice to have that aspect of it. Yeah. Well, so thank you so much for joining me and I'd love to have you back on. I'd love that. Thank you so much. And I will, I will get going I'm building a house right at this moment. So, but I will get going on thinking about having a sister's panel. I'm writing about that sister relationship. Okay. okay. That would be so special. Thank you so much, Joanna. Okay. So listeners, you can subscribe or follow the podcast. I'm easy to find is jcvartstudio.net. I will have Valerie's website, valeriedunsmore.com. It's going to be in the show notes and I hope everyone has a good day and stay dry and stay safe. We, we know we talked about flooding given what BC is going through right now. Stay safe, everyone. And thank you, Valerie, for joining me. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.